Chapter Four of *The Lances of Linwood* by Charlotte Mary Young. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The moon was at her height and shone full into the half-opened tent of Sir Reginald Linwood. At the further end, quite in darkness, the knight, bareheaded and rosary in hand, knelt before the dark-robed figure of a confessor, while at a short distance lay on a couch of deerskins the sleeping Leonard Ashton. Before the looped-up curtain that formed the door was Gaston d'Aubricourt, on one knee, close to a huge torch of pine-wood fixed in the earth, examining by its flaring smoky light into the state of his master's armour, proving every joint with a small hammer. Near him Eustace, with the help of John Ingram, the stalwart yeoman, was fastening his charge, the pennon, to a mighty lance of the toughest ash-wood, and often looking forth on the white tents on which the moonbeams shed their pale tranquil light. There was much to impress a mind like his in the scene before him. The unearthly moonlight, the few glimmering stars, the sky, whose southern clearness and brightness were to his unaccustomed eye doubly wonderful, the constant though subdued sounds in the camp, the murmur of the river and far away in the dark expanse of night the sparkling of a multitude of lights which marked the encampment of the enemy there was a strange calm awe upon his spirit he spoke in a low voice and gaston's careless light-hearted tones fell on his ear as something uncongenial but his eye glanced brightly his step was free and bold, as he felt that this was the day that must silence every irritating doubt of his possessing a warrior spirit. The first red streak of dawn was beginning to glow in the eastern sky, when the note of a bugle rang out from the prince's tent, and was responded to by hundreds of other horns. That instant the quiet slumbering camp awoke, the space in front of every tent was filled with busy men arming themselves or saddling their horses gaston and eustace already fully equipped assisted sir reginald to arm leonard was roused and began to fasten on his armour the men-at-arms came forth from their tent and the horses were saddled and bridled and now called sir reginald bring our last loaf john ingram keep none back by this day's eve we shall have abundance or else no further need the hard dry barley bread was shared in scanty but equal measure and scarcely had it been devoured before a second bugle blast pealing through the camp caused each mail-clad warrior to close his visor and spring into the open plain where according to previous orders they arrayed themselves in two divisions the first commanded by the duke of lancaster and sir john chandos the second by prince edward and don pedro after a pause employed in marshalling the different bands the host advanced at an even pace the rising sun glancing on their armour and revealing the multitude of waving crests and streamers fluttering from the points of the lances like the wings of gorgeous insects presently a wall of glittering armour was seen advancing to meet them with the same brilliant display it might have seemed some mighty tournament 
that was there arrayed as the two armies stood confronting each other rather than a stern battle for the possession of a kingdom and well might old froissart declare it was a pleasure to see such hosts but it would be presumptuous to attempt to embellish a tale after froissart has once touched it to him then i leave it to tell how the rank of banneret was conferred on the gallant old chandos how the prince prayed aloud for a blessing on his arms how he gave the signal for the advance and how the boaster teo fled in the first encounter the lances of linwood in the division of the duke of lancaster well and gallantly did their part in the hard struggle with the brave band of french whose resistance was not overcome till the black prince himself brought his reserved troops to the aid of his brother with the loss of only one man-at-arms the lances of linwood had taken several prisoners it was high noon and the field was well-nigh cleared of the enemy when sir reginald drew his rein at the top of a steep bank clothed with brushwood sloping towards the stream of the sadora threw up his visor wiped his heated brow and patting his horse's neck turned to his brother saying you have seen sharp work in this your first battle-day eustace it is a glorious day said eustace see how they hurry to the water and he pointed over the low shrubs to a level space on the bank of the river where several fugitives on foot and horseback were crowding together and pressing hastily forward ha cried sir reginald the golden circlet henry of trastamare himself and at the same instant he sprang to the ground you said he speed round the bushes meet me at the ford they are making for this was directed to gaston and ere the last words were spoken both sir reginald and eustace were already beginning to hurry down the bank gaston rose to his full height in his stirrups and looking over the wood exclaimed the eagle crest i must be there on ashton ingram this way speed 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 and with these words threw himself from his horse and dashed after the two brothers as they went crashing in their heavy armour downwards through the boughs in less than a minute they were on the level ground and sir reginald rushed forward to intercept don enrique who was almost close to the river yield yield sir king he shouted but at the same moment another knight on foot threw himself between raising a huge battle-axe and crying away away sir leave me to deal with him enrique turned entered the river and safely swam his horse to the other side whilst his champion was engaged in desperate conflict the knight of linwood caught the first blow on his shield and returned it but without the slightest effect on his antagonist who though short in stature and clumsily made seemed to possess gigantic strength a few moments more and reginald had fallen at full length on the grass while his enemy was pressing on to secure him as a prisoner or to seize the pennon which eustace held the two squires stood with lifted swords before their fallen master but it cost only another of those irresistible strokes to stretch gaston beside sir reginald and eustace was left alone to maintain the struggle 
a few moments more and the lances would come up but how impossible to hold out the first blow cleft his shield in two and though it did not pierce his armor the shock brought him to his knee and without the support of the staff of the pennon he would have been on the ground still however he kept up his defence using sometimes his sword and sometimes the staff to parry the strokes of his assailant but the strife was too unequal and faint with violent exertion as well as dizzied by a stroke which the temper of his helmet had resisted he felt that all would be over with him in another second when his sinking energies were revived by the cry of st george close at hand his enemy relaxing his attack he sprang to his feet and that instant found himself enclosed almost swept away by a crowd of combatants of inferior degree as well as his own comrades as free lances all of whose weapons were turned upon his opponent a sword was lifted over the enemy's head from behind and would the next moment have descended but that eustace sprang up dashed it aside cried shame and grasping the arm of the threatened knight exclaimed yield yield it is your only hope yield and to thee said the knight yet it is well meant the sword of arthur himself would be of no avail tiphaine was right it is the fated day thou art of gentle birth i yield me then rescue or no rescue the rather that i see thou art a gallant youth hark you fellows i am a prisoner so get off with you your name bold youth eustace linwood brother to this knight said eustace raising his visor and panting for breath you need but a few years to nerve your arm but rest awhile you are almost spent said the prisoner in a kind tone of patronage as he looked at the youthful face of his captor which in a second had varied from deep crimson to deathly paleness my brother my brother was all eustace's answer as he threw himself on the grass beside gaston who though bleeding fast had raised his master's head and freed him from his helmet but his eyes were still closed and the wound ghastly for such had been the force of the blow that the shoulder was well-nigh severed from the collar-bone reginald oh brother look up cried eustace oh gaston does he live i have crossed swords with him before said the prisoner i grieve for the mishap then as the soldiers crowded round he waved them off with a gesture of command which they instinctively obeyed back clowns give him air and here one of you bring some water from the river there he shows signs of life as he spoke the clattering of horses feet was heard all made way and there rode along the bank of the river a band of spaniards headed by pedro himself his sword from hilt to point streaming with blood and his countenance ferocious as that of a tiger where is he was his cry where is the traitor enrique i will send him 
to join the rest of the brood where has he hidden himself the prisoner who had been assisting to life the wounded man out of the path of the trampling horses turned round and replied with marked emphasis king henry of castile is thanks to our lady safe on the other side of the zadora to recover his throne another day du guesclin himself ah dog cried pedro his eyes glaring with the malignity of a demon and raising his bloody weapon to hew down bertrand du guesclin for no other was the prisoner who stood with folded arms his dark eyes fixed in calm scorn on the king's face and his sword and axe lying at his feet eustace was instantly at his side calling out my lord king he is my prisoner thine said pedro with an incredulous look leave him to my vengeance and thou shalt have gold half my treasury all thy utmost wishes can reach i give him up to none but my lord the prince of wales returned the young squire undauntedly fool and caitiff out of my path or learn what it is to oppose the wrath of kings cried pedro eustace grasped his sword sir king you must win your way to him through my body at this moment one of the attendants whispered el principe signore and in a few seconds more the black prince with a few followers rode towards the spot hastily dismounting pedro threw himself on his knees to thank him for the victory but edward leaping from his horse raised him saying it is not to me but to the giver of victories that you should return thanks and eustace almost shuddered to see him embrace the bloodthirsty monster who still intent on his prey began the next moment here signor prince is the chief enemy here is the disturber of kingdoms duguas clan himself and there stands a traitorous boy of your country who resolutely refuses to yield him to my just vengeance as pedro spoke the prince exchanged with sir bertrand the courteous salutation of honourable enemies and then said in a quiet grave tone it is not our english custom to take vengeance on prisoners of war my lord said eustace stepping forward as the prince looked towards him i deliver the prisoner into your princely hands you have our best thanks sir squire said the prince you are the young linwood if i remember right where is your brother alas my lord here he lies sorely hurt said eustace only anxious to be rid of the prisoner and prince and to return to reginald who by this time had by the care of gaston been recalled to consciousness is it so i grieve to hear it said edward with a face of deep concern advancing to the wounded knight bending over him and taking his hand how fares it with you my brave reginald poorly enough my lord said the knight faintly i would i could have taken king henry 
lament not for that said the prince but receive my thanks for the prize of scarcely less worth which i owe to your arms what mean you my lord not sir bertrand du guesclin i got nothing from him but my death-blow how is this then said edward it was from your young brother that i received him speak eustace said sir reginald eagerly and half raising himself sir bertrand your prisoner fairly and honourably is it possible fairly and honourably to that i testify said du guesclin he knelt before you and defended your pennon longer than i ever thought to see one of his years resist that curtal axe of mine the routier villains burst on us and were closing upon me when he turned back the weapon that was over my head and summoned me to yield which i did the more willingly that so gallant a youth should have such honour as may be acquired by my capture he has it noble bertrand said edward kneel down young squire thy name is eustace in the name of god saint michael and saint george i dub thee knight be faithful brave and fortunate as on this day arise sir eustace linwood thanks thanks my gracious prince said reginald a light glancing in his fading eyes i should die content to see my brother's spurs so well earned die say not so my faithful reginald speed dennis and send hither our own leech i trust you will live to see your son win his spurs as gallantly no my good lord i am past the power of leech or surgeon i feel that this is my death wound i am glad it was in your cause all i desire is your protection for my wife my boy my brother your brother has earned it already said edward your child shall be as my own but oh cannot be done hasten the surgeon hither cheer thee reginald look up oh oh would that du guesclin were free the battle unfought so that thou wert but safe mine own dear brother-in-arms where is the prince called a voice from behind my lord if you come not speedily there will be foul slaughter made upon the prisoners by your spanish butcher king i would say i come i come chandos answered edward fare thee well my brave reginald and you my new-made knight send tidings to my tent how it is with him he pressed reginald's hand and sighing deeply mounted his horse and rode off with sir john chandos leaving the wounded knight to the care of his own followers the stream of blood was flowing fast life was ebbing away and sir reginald's breath was failing as eustace relieving gaston from his weight laid his head on his breast and laved his brow with water from the river you have done gallantly my brave brother i did wrong to 
doubt your spirit thanks be to god that i can die in peace sure that arthur has in you a true and loving guardian you are young eustace but my trust in you is firm you will train him in all christian and godly ways it shall be the most sacred charge of my life said eustace scarcely able to speak i know it said reginald and making an effort to raise his voice he continued bear witness all of you that i leave my son in the wardship of the king and of my brother sir eustace linwood and added he earnestly beware of folk clarinum commend me to my sweet eleanor tell her she is the last as the first in my thoughts then after a pause is gaston here yes sir reginald said gaston leaning over him and pressing the hand which he feebly raised gaston farewell and thanks to you for your true and loving service eustace will find wherewith to recompense you in some sort in my chest at bordeaux and my brave lances likewise and gaston go not back to the courses and comrades whence i took you on the word of a dying man it will be better for you when you are in this case leonard strive to be a true and brave man though i may not fulfil your father's trust eustace my eyes grow dim is this you supporting my head are these your tears weep not for me brother save for my poor eleanor i would not have it otherwise mercy is sure hold up the blessed rood the sign of grace you are half a clerk repeat me some holy psalm or prayer eustace raised the cross hilt of his sword and with a broken voice commenced the miserere sir reginald at first followed it with his lips but soon they ceased to move his head sank back his hand fell powerless and with one long gasping breath his faithful and noble spirit departed for several moments eustace silently continued to hold the lifeless form in his arms then raising the face he imprinted an earnest kiss on the pale lips laid the head reverently on the ground hung over it for a short space and at last with an effort passed his hand over his face and turned away his first look was toward dobricourt who sat resting his head on his hand his elbow supported on his knee while with the other hand he dashed away his tears 
his countenance was deathly pale and drops of blood were fast falling from the deep gash in his side oh gaston exclaimed eustace with a feeling of self-reproach at having forgotten him i fear you are badly wounded you would think little of it had you seen more stricken fields young knight said gaston attempting to smile i am only spent with loss of blood bring me a draught of water and i could ride back to the tent but look to your prisoner sir eustace eustace turned to see what had become of his illustrious captive and saw him at a little distance speaking to a knight on horseback sir eustace said bertrand stepping towards him here is sir william beauchamp sent by the prince to inquire for your gallant brother and to summon me to his tent i leave you the more willingly that i think you have no mind for guests this evening farewell i hope to be better acquainted eustace had little heart to answer but he took up du guesclin's sword as if to return it to him keep it sir knight said bertrand you know how to wield it i am in some sort your godfather in chivalry and i owe you a gift let me have yours that my side may not be without its wonted companion farewell and sir eustace linwood said sir william beauchamp riding up you will advance to navaretta where we take up our quarters in the french camp i grieve for the loss which has befallen us this day but i trust our chivalry has gained an equally worthy member eustace bowed and whilst messer bertrand mounted a horse that had been brought for his use turned back to his own melancholy duties the body of sir reginald was raised from the ground and placed on the levelled lances of four of his men and eustace then assisted gaston to rise he tottered leaned heavily against the young knight and was obliged to submit to be lifted to the saddle but neither pain grief nor faintness could check his flow of talk well eustace sir eustace i would say you have seen somewhat of the chances of war the mischances you mean gaston i tell you many a man in this host would have given his whole kindred for such luck as has befallen you to cross swords with du guesclin is honour enough this cut will be a matter of boasting to my dying day but to take him prisoner nay that was no merit of mine had not the rest come up my wars had soon been over and i had been spared this grief i know what most youths would have done in your place and been esteemed never the worse dropped the pennon at that first round blow that brought you to your knee and called for quarter poor pennon i deemed it gone and would have come to your aid but before i could recover my feet the fight was over and i am glad the glory is wholly yours knighted under a banner in a stricken field it is a chance which befalls not one man in five hundred 
and you in your first battle but he heeds me not he thinks only of his brother look up sir eustace tis but the chance of war better die under sword and shield than like a bed-ridden old woman better die honoured and lamented than worn out and forgotten still he has not a word yea and i could weep too for company for never lived better knight nor one whom squire had better cause to love End of chapter 4